Acts chapter 26 is where we'll be this evening. Uh, this afternoon, I spent some time with a couple different thoughts and, and praying that the Lord would show me exactly what He would have me to speak on this evening. When you're a preacher and, and um, you have different passages you're studying or looking at or things God's speaking your heart about, and you're given the opportunity to preach, um, unless it was something scheduled per se and you had been working on it, and you're just studying different passages, sometimes you get conflicted. What, what different passage, what do you have for me, Lord, to show me? And I uh, spent some time thinking about a, a few different things and praying and asking God. And uh, this afternoon late, the Lord brought me to this passage. And, and I feel like it's, um, it's, a, it's a good thing for us to kind of continue in a, in a way, if you will, from the thought that we were discussing this morning and the fact that Lazarus' life and his testimony was the reason the Bible clearly states that people had come to know Christ as his Savior. You know, outside, again, of the Word of God being spoken and clearly shown someone, that the, our, our personal testimony is the greatest tool we have at helping others see their need of a Savior and showing other people what Christ can do through a changed life. We all, each and every one of us who have known to come Christ as Savior, have a personal testimony. No two testimonies in this room are exactly the same. In fact, the truth is, is there may be some that are similar. There's definitely some themes to all of our testimonies that are the same because it's the same Savior, it's the same gospel that we've all come to know and believe in and to hold to be true that has brought us to the salvation that we have. But our stories are not the same. We didn't grow up in the same place. We didn't all get saved on the same day, at the same age, at the same time. It wasn't the same preacher who stood up or the same person who knocked on our door or the same mom or dad or Sunday school teacher. It was not the same. But there are themes when you listen to people's testimonies from time to time. If you've ever had an opportunity to listen to someone's testimony, you stand there and we go, you know what, that sounds an awful lot like my testimony or I can... I can relate to that part of a person's testimony. Why is that? Because the truth is, is that we're all people and there are people who are going to relate to our testimony. That's why it's so important for us to give our personal testimony to people. Because we never know who the person is who's going to relate with a part of our testimony. When we think about the personal testimony and the power thereof, there is maybe no greater example or person in the Bible who was better at giving their personal testimony and showing us through the Word of God, of course, the power of the personal testimony better than Paul. When you think of Paul, we know of at least twice where he relayed his personal testimony to others. Acts chapter 22, Acts chapter 26. We know that in his epistles, oftentimes he would record part of his personal testimony in those epistles. See, your personal testimony doesn't just end when you got saved and it's done. It goes on. What does Christ continuing do? The work of Christ in our lives is not done at the moment of salvation. It's really, truly beginning. It's the beginning of what he's doing. And Paul was such a great example to us of the power and of the personal testimony and he even does it in a way that helps us today look and see a way in which we can structure our personal testimony this evening i just have written a couple things down that i think are practical things that are not new to me they're not new to you 
And truthfully, we'll probably sit down here and we'll probably discuss a few things here and you'll probably go, yep, I've heard that one before. Yep, I've heard something like that. And then we'll get done and you'll go, well, he didn't even mention this or he didn't mention that. This would have been good. There's a lot of things that we all could say, especially if we've come to know Christ or we've spent any time, any years as far as Christians in and around Christian people and in these type of settings in the church. But it's important that we be reminded often. And when I mean often, I don't mean every once in a while. I mean often about what influence our lives could be through the power of our personal testimony. Paul does such a great job in relaying his personal testimony here in Acts chapter 26. And if you would, would you look at it with me beginning in verse number 1. Acts chapter number 26, verse 1, the Bible says, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyselves. Isn't that so nice of Agrippa to say, Hey, Paul, you're, you're on trial, and we're actually going to let you speak for yourself. That's like saying, Okay, preacher, we're going to give you an opportunity to preach. You know what this preacher was excited about to do? He said, Boy, I'm about to tell him something. Not about me, about somebody else. He was on trial for what he was being accused of of the Jews. And this preacher stands up and he says, great. Look at what he says, in fact. Verse number two, he says, uh, verse number one says, Then Paul stretched forth his hand and answered for himself. Says to Agrippa, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day. Before thee, touching all the things whereof I'm accused of the Jews. You know what he was saying to himself? He was saying, oh, man, I'm so glad you've given me the opportunity to tell my testimony. He was so excited about it. He was encouraged. He knew death was coming. It was probably right around the corner for him. He didn't know what the the Romans were going to do. He didn't know what the Jews were going to do. But he knew one thing. God had given him an opportunity to confess his Savior before the king, Agrippa. We see... In the passage just before, verse number 23, 24, it wasn't just Agrippa that was there. Festus was there. Bernice, his wife, uh, Agrippa's wife, was there. It was a big to-do. There was a lot of important people, if you will. And Paul was not afraid. With boldness, stands up and he says, I will answer for myself, and I'm happy to do it. Verse number 3, especially because I know thee to be an expert in all customs and questions, where are among the Jews, whereof I beseech thee to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my, mo- my, from my youth, was which, at, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify, that after the most straightest sect of our religious religion, I lived a Pharisee. First couple of verses, he's reminding not just Agrippa, but the Jews themselves, you know who I am. My name was spread abroad. I was someone to be known because of the way I lived. Verse number six. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers. Under which promise our twelve tribes instantly serving God day and night hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa... I'm accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I verily thought myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which things I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, 
having received authority from the chief priests. And then when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Is it hard for thee to kick against the pricks? And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus who thou persecutest. But rise, stand upon thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For this cause, the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore attained help of God, I continue unto this day witnessing both to the small and to the great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first and that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I'm not mad, noble Festus. But speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto, said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Saddest words Agrippa would ever speak in his life. Almost thou persuaded me to be a Christian. It wasn't some eloquent speech. It wasn't three points in an outline. It wasn't some doctrinal thesis. It was Paul giving his testimony. And the power of a personal testimony helped one man, and I believe probably some in the corner, somewhere sitting in that room, probably came to know Christ as their Savior, or at least dig a little deeper. Because one man, it didn't matter who he was standing in front of, would take the opportunity to stand and say, this is my testimony and this is what God has done in my life. He was accused of being mad. He didn't respond by fussing or yelling or fighting. He just said, you would think I'm mad, but I'm not mad. I just speak the truth. A lot we could learn from Paul from this personal testimony. This passage has been used for years and for, by many people to show us an example of what it means to give our personal testimony. 
I've heard for many years and being trained and taught and things what it means to give my personal testimony, that there's three parts to our personal testimony. You've heard it. Many of you could probably quote it with me. There's the time before coming to know Christ as your Savior, the change Christ made, and the difference Christ has made since. Paul himself uses those three very categories right here in the passage. Let's look at them together. Look at, with me at verse 1 through 12. We're not going to read all of them, but you can see here in verses 1 through 12, this is the period, the introduction, and the time in Paul's life before coming to know Christ as a Savior. He tells us about what he was. He tells us about who he was. He tells us about what he did, being against God and against the, the church and being a tormentor of those people. He tells us about his self-assigned purpose. Look with me. He says in verse number 5, uh, verse number 6, he says, I, And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers. Verse number 8, he goes, Why should it be thought a thing incredible you that God should raise you to the dead? I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus Christ. He says to, he says to King Agrippa in his testimony, he goes, I had a life that I lived because I thought I should live a certain way. This was self-proclaimed to Paul. He said, I was living for myself. I was living my life unto myself. I was doing what I wanted to do, what I thought was right. Think about your personal testimony. Before you came to know Christ as your personal Savior, all of us were living the way we thought was right. And the truth is, is that before an almighty God, that way of living is not right. In fact, God tells us that our righteousness is as filthy rags. Paul even says it. He goes, I thought I was doing right. Verse number 9. He said, verse number 10, which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. Paul's not trying to justify himself. What he's trying to show here is that his life before coming to know Christ as a Savior was lived with all earnest, uh, earnestness about it. He wasn't living something that he thought was wrong and knew was wrong. He was trying to get across the, the life he was living before Christ. He honestly thought was the right way of living. But that he came to know the truth. What, Christ, what Paul is doing here is he is making clear and an emphasis the difference between his life before Christ. And here in a moment he's going to show the difference between his life after Christ. Here's a man who thought it was right to bring terror upon other people. We see his life before Christ. Beginning in verse 13 all the way to verse 21, we see his life coming to know Christ as a Savior, God's forgiveness in his life. He talks about what God did and how he met Christ, how he met Jesus. Notice that in verse 15. He said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus. He was letting them know that God had given him a better purpose. Verse number 16, But rise and stand upon thy feet, the, uh, thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. You know, there's a lot of people in this world who are looking for purpose. Paul's testimony could resonate with them. I thought I had purpose. It was my own. I met Christ, and he was showing me that his purpose was the only purpose worth living for came to know him as my Savior. He had forgiven me. 
It didn't matter what I had done. It didn't matter how much I had persecuted him. It didn't matter how much I had gone against him. It didn't matter how many uh, times I had railed against his name and the name of Jesus Christ. He still loved me. And he gave himself for me. And he wanted me and he redeemed me and he bought me back for a purpose greater than mine. Begins here in verse number 19 to speak about how his life had been changed and the change that it had been. The three parts to a personal testimony. Now, was he, not, he wasn't living a life of self-proclaimed purpose. He was living a life for God's purpose. It wasn't a life bringing terror to others. This life was a life giving hope. I said, I used to persecute the saints. Now look at what I do. Verse number 20, I showed first unto them Damascus and Jerusalem and all throughout the coast and the Gentiles to them that they should repent and turn to God. Verse number 22 keeps going. It says, having therefore attained help of God, I continue unto this day witnessing both to the small and to the great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. What did, prophets and Mo- what did the prophets and Moses speak of? The great Messiah, the Redeemer, the great Shepherd. He said, that's all I'm doing now is telling them that He has come and they can know Him, that Christ should suffer and that He should be the first that should rise from the dead and show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. He said, I'll, let me tell you about the change God has made in my life. It used to be about me. It used to be about my standing. It used to be about my holiness. It used to be about what I thought. It used to be what I believed. One day, I met a man named Jesus, and he made it all about him, all about his grace, all about his love, all about everything he had done and wanted to do, all about the hope he could bring, all about the joy he gives, all about the peace he provides. It's all about him. Festus stands up and says, You're crazy. He says, no, I proclaim the truth. We all have a testimony to give. But why do we not give it? Want to know one of the reasons why I think we as Christians don't give our testimony more often? Is because we don't practice at giving our testimony. If I were to ask you in this room, how many of you in the last year gave your testimony, your personal testimony, at least five times? How many of you could raise your hand? Just a handful. If I were to ask you how many in the last three weeks have given your testimony at least once, how many of you could raise your hand? A few of us. The truth is, is that we as Christians, we should be standing every day giving our personal testimony. Because that every morning when we wake up, guess what? It's our personal testimony. It is by God's mercies that we are not consumed and that we had a morning to wake up and rise up and say, praise God, I'm alive today. With what purpose? To tell about Him. Lazarus' life testified of Christ. Paul was given every opportunity he could. He said, let me tell you about somebody. And we hear Christians, me included, I don't know, will they listen I don't have anything interesting to say. My story is just like everybody else's. I get tangled and tied and twisted and I can't speak and I don't know what to say. And the truth is, is Paul was standing before the greatest powers of the day. And he said, I'm so grateful you gave me the opportunity to tell my testimony. Let me tell you what God's done in my life. 
We talked about this morning when we talked about how our lives could be the reason that many could come to know Christ as our Savior. And it's just a matter of giving our testimony. So this evening, we'll be quick, just give you some practical things. Things, again, that have been helpful to me that I pray are helpful to you when it comes to the matter of your te- personal testimony. First thing, speak truthfully. Don't embellish for the sake of the testimony. You know, sometimes we want to uh, make things more dynamic or more outstanding than they, we think they are. There is nothing more dynamic or more outstanding than the fact that you who were dead on your way to hell now has eternal life given to you and you currently hold it. Tell me something more amazing than the fact that someone would die on the cross for you and for me because they loved us that much. Look, ladies will sit during Christmas time and watch Hallmark movies all they want for the sake of love. You've got the greatest love story you could ever imagine written to you in the Word of God. You have an opportunity to, sh- to, to tell it to everybody. And we, we, just, we, just, we just don't want to tell people about how much God loves them, how much God loved me. Think of some ladies in this world who are like, oh, I just wish that was me. I'll tell you about somebody who gave their life for you. Who, who cares if they wrecked off the side of the road or did something crazy or met you in some small town or whatever Hallmark movie is on. God loved you. He gave himself for you. Tell me how that's not exciting. I mean, honestly, let's be honest with ourselves. He loved us that much. You know what the Bible tells us? That before the foundations of the world, he knew that he would come to die on the cross for our sins. He loved us that much. He loved you and me that beyond him ever coming, before the forming of the world, before he made Adam and Eve and knew they'd sin in the garden, he knew you and I would be born, and he knew he loved us. That is amazing. You want to encourage somebody? Tell them your story and tell them that God loves them too. And when they start to say, I don't know, I don't know if God could love me, you say, oh, he loves every single one of us. Don't embellish. We don't have to make something crazier or wilder or some mystic thing. It's not mystic. It's by the grace of God is what it is. Make much of God and little of sin. You know, sometimes we can be tempted when we're giving our testimony to talk about how bad we were. The truth is, is that we're all sinners saved by grace. It doesn't matter how much sin we lived, how much sin we were involved in. It does not matter. What matters is, is that God saved us from sin, period. Make much of God. You don't have to be detailed in your sin. Don't praise sin. Don't praise Satan for his ruining of your life. Praise God for what he's brought you out of. But make much of God and little of sin. You know what I think one of... The greatest things we can do and sometimes the most difficult things and practical tips when it comes to giving our testimony is praying for an opportunity to give our testimony and then praying during. It's hard. I used to listen to preachers stand up and talk about how they would pray during their preaching. And I'm going to myself, that seems like the most contrary thing I have ever heard in my life. And then I became a preacher. And I stand up here and I look at your faces and I, and I think about the opportunity and I say, here, God, please don't let me mess up. Please don't let me say something stupid. Please don't let me make a fool of you or me. I remember going to the University of Tennessee for the first time as a college student. A track in hand, excited, 
I'm going to go down there. I'm going to find some college student. I'm going to lead him to Jesus. I'm so excited about this. I got down there, started talking. I'm not a shy person when it comes to talking to people. Met some guy. I don't even remember his name. Looked at him and said, I just want to ask you, if you were to die today, are you 100% sure you'd die to go to heaven? He looked at me and said, why should I believe in your God? Started, he started giving me scripture for every scripture I could give him. And I realized real quick, okay, I'm not a hot shot. This is something I'm going to need. I learned real quick what it meant to pray while talking to somebody. No, you may not audibly be speaking the prayer out loud, but we should be praying while we're giving our personal testimony. Remember, it is not us that leads people to the Lord. It is the Holy Spirit that works in the lives of men. The greatest thing we could do is stand there and say, Lord, while we're talking, would your Holy Spirit reveal the truth in this person? I've been in a situation before. We were on the University of Tennessee campus and we were passing out tracts. We came across a group of young ladies. I think it might have been uh, two young ladies and a young man. Now that I think about it, I don't really remember. I just know there was a group of young people and they were not from America. They speak very little English and they did not understand my horrible West Virginia dialect. I promise you that. Conversation was difficult. But you could tell that the Holy Spirit was in showing them some things that was truth. The fact that someone would stop and take the time out of their day to talk to them about this God that they served, it meant something to them. We asked if someone could come back and talk to them who could speak their language, and they, they understood that, and they said, yes, yes, please. I remember telling, getting back to the church and passing that information along and hearing later how uh, they wanted to hear more. I don't know if they ever got saved. But sometimes we discredit so much of what the Holy Spirit truly does in using our simple little testimony. It's not God, or it's not us that does the work. It's not the power of our testimony. It is the power of the Holy Spirit using a willing vessel to share the goodness of God that makes the difference. We're so consumed with ourselves that even as Christians, we cannot get past the fact that our testimony might could possibly used by the Almighty God who saved our souls. We're so afraid. What if I say something wrong? Or what if they think down on me? Or, or I'm scared? Or what if they're offended? If they heard the gospel, that's between them and God. What if they come to know Christ as a personal Savior? What if you've just made a new friend in Christ? What if they were on the road to hell and were ready to make that decision to go and your testimony made the difference to give them glorious life eternal and make God through God Almighty and through the Holy Spirit? What if we started asking all the different what ifs? Not if what if what would happen if something happened to us, but what if God actually did what he is capable of doing because we got out of our own way? We should pray during each opportunity. Make it sound conversational. Avoid literary sounding statements. I found that one. I remember people telling us that in my notes. What that basically is saying is, don't make it sound like a lecture. <laughs> How many times have you, maybe when you were young or something, you've heard someone go to give their testimony or, or try to witness to you and you're like, Hi. I'm with the Church of Latter-day Saints. I'd like to talk to you today about Jesus. You ever talk to them? They're so rehearsed and so impersonal. 
We don't need more people who are going through a script. We need more people who are talking about Jesus from the heart. People don't want to see your door or come to your door. Now, this is one thing when you knock on the door and you say, Hi, I'm from Gateway Baptist Church. How are you today? I'm so glad that I have the opportunity to talk to you. One thing that I was always taught to do in knocking on the doors or even in life, and I'm so thankful somebody did this, I always, whenever I'm walking to a door, I'm looking around. Are there sports team stickers on their bumpers, on their windows? Is there something on their doormat that's standing there? Is there a pair of army boots right by the door? Is there something that I can open a conversation to make this personal? I want it to be a conversation. I don't want it to become dull or like a lecture. And so I'm looking, aware. Oh, there's kids' toys. Great. Those are always one of the easiest. Hi, how are you? My name is John Meadows. I'm from Gateway Baptist Church. I see that you have kids' toys. I have two of my own. Do you have any children here? No, those are my grandchildren. Or yes, I have 17 kids, or whatever the case may be. Whoa, 17. God bless you. You know, make it a conversation. People want people who are real, genuine, not scripted, not fake. Be real. Have a conversation. Don't try to use language or terms and things that you yourself are not 100% sure what they mean because they sound good. goes to the next thing. Be careful with using Christian jargon or slang. Look, the Bible talks about how we have salvation. That's, that's a biblical term. That's great. The average everyday person doesn't know what salvation means. You might have to explain it to them. I came to know Christ as my personal Savior. What does that mean to come to know Christ as your personal Savior? What does it mean to have repentance of sin? What does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be born again? I used to think that was a southern thing. And then I realized it was actually in the scriptures. And then I'm like, okay, well, southerners are right. Uh, If you're from the north, I apologize. I hope you use the term. We sometimes get so caught up in the giving of the testimony that we forget to be genuine. Share about what happened to you. Don't preach about what should happen to them. Say I and me, my testimony. This is about me. Not that you're trying to make it all about you, but you're trying to let them know that what has happened to you is something that they can also have. What did Paul do? Paul didn't talk to Agrippa till the very end about what he needed, did he? He said, look, I know all about the religious information. He started off, King Agrippa, I know you are quite aware. Look at what the pastor says in, verse number tw- in chapter number 26. Look at it with me. Verse number 3. Especially because I know thee to be an expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently. He says to Agrippa, he says, Agrippa, I know that you are quite aware. In fact, you're an expert when it comes to all things among the Jews and their religion. He then goes to give his testimony. He says, oh, I I happen to quite be an expert myself. I was a Pharisee. You might be an expert in the religion of the Jews, but let me tell you about somebody who's not carried, carried on with your expertise or care about your expertise. He just cares about the fact that you're a sinner and he died on the cross for you. That's why it was so powerful with Agrippa. Agrippa wasn't concerned with what Paul knew. Agrippa was concerned with what Paul, or who should I say, who Paul had come to know. 
Include the Word of God. Include the Word of God in your testimony. And, you know, we all talk about memorizing the Romans road. But can we be honest? When we came to know Christ as our personal Savior, it wasn't every verse of the Romans road that stuck out to us. It was probably one, maybe two verses. Emphasize those verses. Be real. What was the verse in your life that God used to grab your attention and help you understand your need of a Savior? You ever talk to someone and you go, the Lord used that verse in their life, but that's not one of the Romans road. Yep, that's God. He can do it. What was the verse that God used in your life to make a difference in your life? I remember being a five-year-old boy and sitting on the right-hand side of the church, three rows from the back. The preacher stood up, talked about a place called hell. I didn't want to go there. It scared me. Say, that's horrible. Someone would scare a child. No. I was aware for the first time in my life that it was my sin that would cause me to go to a place called hell. It wasn't some man condemning me to hell. It was my own actions before God Almighty that caused, was going to cause me to go there. And that was the last thing I wanted. I remember the verses that speak of the place that none of us would ever desire to go. We wouldn't desire our family members to go. That's powerful. That's a personal testimony. Use the verses that are important to you. Here's one that I think we could all do. You ready? Practice at home before practicing in public. So what do you mean? Next time you sit down at the dinner table, or how about this, even on the ride home, why don't you look someone in the, who's in the vehicle with you, look over and say, tell me your testimony. Say, that would be awkward. Everybody in the car listening to my testimony? Well, praise the Lord, you got an opportunity to practice, to, to work at it. I'm not trying to say we're trying to work something up, but you and I both know that if we're going to do something more often, it's a whole lot easier to go through it than it is to just try to do it on the whim. And just to, Let me tell you about Jesus. Challenge one another. Hey, tell me your personal testimony. Maybe make it a habit in your house. Okay, we're going to go. We're going to go down the days of the week. All right, Monday... Dad's going to tell his testimony at dinner table. Tuesday, mom's going to tell her testimony. Wednesday, child number one. Thursday, child number two. So on and so forth. Back around to mom. Dad, we're driving down the road. Long car trips. Kids on the, on the devices listening to their tablets or whatever it is, headphones on. Turn everything off and say, okay, nothing gets turned back on until we've all given our testimony. All right, we're going to do a one-minute testimony this time. All right, this time, this week, we're going to work on a five-minute testimony. Five minutes. That's long. Nobody can eat dinner till somebody's given a testimony. Okay, I got one. The Lord saved me. Praise the Lord. Let's eat. <laughs> but wouldn't it be good of us to work on practicing our testimony with someone we know who's not going to look at us and, and we're going to be more nervous about? I don't know. I'm not going to be very nervous telling my testimony to my wife. She's heard it a thousand times but it would be a good thing for me to work on giving my testimony. Say, I'm, I've given my testimony plenty of times, but maybe the other people in the room haven't. You can help them giving their testimony by you giving your testimony. Parents, how many of you would love or have ever had the opportunity to stand by and hear your child give their testimony? It's encouraging. If 
if you say, I've never done that, you start. You help them. You give your testimony and then encourage them to give theirs. And don't, and don't make them feel as though, and I don't think any of our parents would do this, but this is things, when the children give a testimony and they go, I don't know, I just can't do this. You're doing great. God could use that. That's your testimony and God's made a difference in your life. It'll help them. Practice. And then, once you've practiced at home, practice in public. Tell somebody, say, hey, today, we're going to talk to somebody. We're going out to the grocery store. You're coming with me. And we're going to talk to somebody about our personal testimony. What? Yeah, you're going to do it. Help each other. Encourage one another. Your first time giving your testimony may not be as smooth as you would hope. It probably won't be. Praise the Lord you had the opportunity to give it. I remember the first time I knocked on the door at the age of, oh, I think I was about 14. I had been going with my youth leader. He had been the one doing the talking. I was the quiet prayer partner. I was appreciative of it. And he looks at me. We're out knocking. And he goes, you're going to speak. And I went, what? Huh? You know what I found out to be true? God helped me the whole way through. If this is the God that can save us, who can redeem our souls, who, by the way, has commanded us to tell others about him, do we not honestly think that he's going to help us when we're obedient to him? You ever been talking to someone and a verse comes to mind that you only knew part of it and somehow you managed to quote the whole thing? Man, that's a Holy Spirit feeling like none other. You go... I didn't even know I knew that verse all the way through. Praise the Lord. That's the Holy Ghost. I keep using reference of the opportunity I had at the University of Tennessee. It was a great opportunity to go and to pass out tracts on that. I remember giving scripture to someone. Not one on a track, not one of the Romans road, not one I had memorized scripture that I don't even know how I knew getting done turning around and going, and, and, and my partner go, man, you did a great job. I said, I didn't do nothing. That was the Holy Spirit. It was amazing. There's nothing like being used by the Lord and knowing it was all God and none of you. It's encouraging. It's encouraging. Make your home a place of practice. We've said about it. Lastly, when it comes to your personal testimony, Make much of Christ. It's not about us. It wasn't about Lazarus, was it? It wasn't about his death. It wasn't about his resurrection. It was about the one who did it all. Look at Paul. Paul says here in Acts chapter number 26, after going through his life, he said, I tormented him. And then I met a man, James Jesus. Paul's life, he says, I hadn't purpose. Sure, I had purpose before I came to know Christ as my Savior. It was my purpose. It was self-given. It was one of terror, one of hate, one of just pride and arrogance. Look at the words he says. Look at the things he says about who he was before he came to know Christ as Savior. You take the time. Study the passage for yourself. He says, it was all about me. And then I met the one who it was truly about. And he made a difference. And look, King... I give hope now. And it's not hope because Paul the Pharisee says it. It's hope because Paul the sinner stands up and says, this is the one 
the one that the Messiah has been, the, the Jews have been looking for for all these years, I've met him. He's real. He's come to do what he said he was going to do. Make much of Christ. I think it would be a good opportunity, and I'm going to invite you to do this as we bow our head and close our eyes. I'm going to ask each and every single one of you that has a personal testimony to join me around this altar this evening and ask God to help us in the year of 2022 to do a better job as far as being willing to give our testimony. What I'm asking you to do is this. I'm asking you to come and to make again, once again, the determination, God, if you'll give me the opportunity, I'm going to work at giving my personal testimony. With heads bowed and eyes closed, dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the testimony that you've given us. Thank you for saving my soul. Lord, may I give my testimony to more people. Help us. We ask these things in your name. As the music plays...